2: game,
3: motherfucker.
4: What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. Run that,
3: baby. I'm not the Zodiac, and if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the One Hit Media Productions podcast. I am your host and producer, Blake Howard. This is a very special bonus episode of our show, profiling a very fun, very funny, very dark and gruesome little slice of Australian noir, or as Mario Lewis calls it, yeah noir, called Slant. A couple of weeks ago in Sydney at the Rammagritz, I was lucky enough to host the Q and A for the filmmakers, including writer and star Michael Niku, director James Vinson, producer Monique Fisher, and also star, and the iconic Sigrid Thornton. Yes, that's right. The icon from things like the Light Horseman from Sea Change, and of course, the mans from Snowy River. That's right, plural, mans from Snowy River. Before we jump into that conversation, let's take a listen to the trailer, and then we'll dive straight in. With Michael, with James, with Monique, and with the iconic Sigrid Thornton.
0: Is this wrong?
3: No. No. Do you want some?
0: Good evening. To our top story tonight, the McGowan Coppolis family drama continues. Martin McGowan is no longer a suspect in his wife Elizabeth's disappearance.
4: So, i got a job.
0: Congratulations,
4: darling. thought you wanted to be on TV.
0: We finally get to write the big expose. You mean, new guy here.
2: This is my story.
0: Wrongo, this is a public story. And whoever writes a better piece, they'll be published.
2: 3 in the morning, Elizabeth, where have you been? I'm going to You've no right to walk You walk away from here.
4: Or we can write something that actually helps someone for once.
1: You could just come out and say you think he did it. Knowing him, he'd sue me for defecation. Information. Which is it? Play her or help her? We
4: help her by gaining her trust and then we get the unfiltered truth. Come on! What's
1: on the tape? Nothing. No, not nothing. Oh, can I see?
4: No. no. This is a victimless crime. He was a poison.
0: The only way to kick a nasty habit is to form a new one. Lucky for you, the beast abides. So who
1: gets the credit when this is over
2: how are you finding the reactions michael Sigrid? like it's it was super fun with you guys in sydney the other the other week the reactions we got in the crowd the crowd responses to different characters and actions was wild very fun
4: uh, i mean you know what you experienced in sydney we're experiencing across the board <laughs> it's yeah we've now done a Oh god, how many did we do across Melbourne and Regional Vic? I literally have lost count because we did quite the whirlwind tour across Victoria. And you know, now we're in Adelaide, and uh we'll we'll let you know how Adelaide goes. But certainly <laughs> as far as Victoria goes, it was laughs and gasps are plenty.
0: And Michael, you I mean Michael does sound kind of mildly surprised, but this was the idea that yeah, was, would. yeah, very
4: much planned, I know. Once,
0: you know, exactly. <laughs> but 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 I must say it's always such because you never know, you just don't know what you've really got, because it's all about the audience's feedback. That's the feedback loop. And we didn't know until we started how it was going to be. And there seems to be this little groundswell coming up, which is exactly what we wanted. And uh, it's very exciting.
2: It's it's so funny that you guys say that, because I know, you know, I would assume Sigrid, you've been to some of these, like if you ever go to like a critic screening or sometimes there are test screenings, I hate them. I go because... You have to or sometimes you have to watch something in isolation because you're preparing for an interview with folks like you guys. but I loved the Sydney screening because I actually got to feel the audience and and someone grabbed me when we were watching it. <laughs> um, there's a moment where random your character, person. yeah just a ra- I was sitting next to a ra- I was just by myself, so I was just sitting with a random and there's a moment where your character' secret um cuts her hand. She's just there, just oh. like chopping something, and she's getting in a heightened state of motion. She cuts her hand, and someone goes, Oh, and like grabbed my arm right next to me. And That's I got the a jolt. In the movie. I, I got I got a jolt, and I was like, Oh, this is what this movie is going to be like. This is what it's really going to be like with an audience tinkering with their expectations, playing with them. So it is it is broadly like a family drama. Then it turns into intrigue. Then it turns into uh, uh, this kind of something kind of batty and wild. And Michael, I just wonder because I'm now having known you a little bit, talking to you, when you were orchestrating this crazy thing that has just birthed out of your mind. Like, how did how did you know to take it from to kind of anchor people with a you know a little bit of heightened sense of like ambition, reality, et cetera? How did you take it from there to then go like, all right, I'm I know exactly how baddie this thing's gonna get. How did you do that?
4: Uh, it really did happen over a period of time and redrafting the first draft of the film was kind of it was much straighter yes and uh with each development and then as james vincent our lovely director came on board and he started to work with me at around about like sort of we, we, we wrote about, uh, I wrote about 7 million drafts and he came in around draft 9. And with each redraft and each meeting with James, we just kept pushing it further and further, um, not just for the sake of it, but because as we started to go deeper into the story and the themes and the world that we were building, it just felt that if we were going to try and scare or, or uh, deal with you know heavy themes, it needed to be really heavy. And if we were going to try and make people laugh, it needed to be a belly laugh. There was no reason to hold back. So it really was just sort of this natural evolution that as we went forward together, um, James, myself, and then eventually the whole team uh, landed on something that was like, you know, very stylized. Um, and now I'm kind of like, how was that? How did that not, how did that not start that way? Because that's so who I am as a person. I mean, look at my hair.
0: <laughs> it's interesting um, too th- that, um, you know, when you said, Blake, it just came out of your mind, it put me in mind of something that, I mean, because it is very much Michael's mind, which I, because I now know Michael much better <laughs> than I did, you know, a couple of years ago. Um uh, which I, which wasn't at all a couple of years ago. Uh, but you know that some of your listeners may know, I think it's balls, which is the yes. send-up of aliens. It's a little bit like that sequence where the alien just pops out of the stomach with a hat and cane like the Jiminy <laughs> Cricket and does a yeah. dance along the, along the floor. I think this sounds a bit like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly, because there's the two ways. It's the Ridley Scott, it's either horrific terror and you're going to be dour. And, you know, I've heard this described in Australian cinema sometimes I'm like, which is why I love slant and why I want to talk to you guys so much is like, I love genre film, like genre is not a dirty word and it shouldn't be. And it has the great potential to whilst being super fun, bloody camp, fantastic It can also say, have some deeper themes. That's the power of genre. And that's the two things. It's like, this could have been alien where you get really serious and everyone gets murdered by the alien, or it sings a song and dance. And I feel like that's the perfect, (laughs) that's the perfect thing. I don't need to see another movie about two heroin addicts in love in Australia. We're done with that. We just need more fun. We're fun. You know, this is, and even as bad and as gnarly as this movie gets, it never, there were laughs consistently in that audience that, we saw in Sydney. Like, and I imagine if you've had the similar tour in Victoria, like people were belly laughing as well as gasping. That's the perfect blend, I think. And you guys have found the right mix. I want to ask Sigrid because you've had so much experience in both Australian and international cinema and in theatre, particularly when slant takes big swings and I think it lands them, but when you're making, especially films with new filmmakers like Michael and James um and and monique and they're asking you to take these big swings do you ever get a sense when you're making it that oh it is gonna land is there something that you can feel or is it like once it happens and you see it you're like oh, i get it or is there a hesitation because i just wonder because you're so experienced you've got that time in your belt like is there some special you know feeling that you're like oh this is no i think it's gonna work i feel like it's gonna work while we're making it
0: i think i i, I don't i It's really hard to take myself back to the shoot. It was such a joyful time. Uh, I think we were all taking this. It felt to me like we all took a giant leap of faith together. Yes. With a huge amount of trust in one another. So there's that. But it didn't mean that we weren't, you know, um, uh, that we weren't Trepidatious about, you know, what the hell are we really doing here? I mean, I'm sure um Michael, Mon and James much more than me, although I was a little, I must say. But you see, I I think, I just really think in for a penny, in for a pound with this film, that's what yes. happened. Yeah. it's exactly what how Michael described the writing process. Once he and James and Mon decided what they what they what the scope could be, then they decided, well, why not go the whole, why not? explore the range yeah. and I think that's what I, I decided too with, um, with Slant as, as far as performance goes and I also really by the time we got to the uh, the shoot days we'd had a little bit of rehearsal which Mon had bless her found for us in uh, an incredibly tight um, framework schedule and budget uh, but we had some shorthand by the time we got to the set. And we kind of we, we not kind of we really trusted one another to uh to know where uh, where to kind of tie the ropes, if you were, you know, as it were. Um yeah, but just I just allowed myself to uh free fall, really.
2: What's it like watching Sigrid Thornton playing a version of your mum free fall, Michael? <laughs> um it's funny i I, I will
4: um she's not actually a version of my mum. my mum will be mortified (laughs) if if that starts to be the message that gets out um although all the characters in the film are based on
2: family members i kind of mix them up um you put them in the blender uh, it's in the color it's on it's it's on it's on on the creative palette it's on the it's in the it's in the palette
4: yeah. So Vivian's actually the name of one of my aunts and my mum's name is Olivia and Olivia obviously is played by Ra Chapman. So um, very much I my family all get a Guernsey here. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of watching Sigurd uh, play my mum and be living in, the, in that environment um, with her, you know, I would have thought that it would have been like a, maybe it's certainly going in, like I'm going to be so intimidated by this you know, and and Sigrid doesn't like being referenced like this, but icon, this person who is, you know, beyond sort of critique, but really, uh, it was felt really normal. And we, because we had the privilege of rehearsal, as previously mentioned, um, it felt it was easy acting with Sigrid. I'd never, it never felt like we were having to get past any sort of obstacle. But that was also because of a lot of great groundwork had been laid by James in rehearsal. And, we were just off and away and I, and I wasn't surprisingly intimidated by the time <laughs> but also there
0: was but and Michael don't you think there was this incredible sense of openness from everybody i mean all of the personalities there's no coincidence that they were chosen for their sort of um uh, openness and and i'm talking about not just the cast but yeah. all of the crew there was an incredible there was a um an evenness in that respect i mean with the the shoot was all up and down and peaks and valleys and we were exploring emotionally but there was a common ground of trust and openness that was uh, that isn't always present and was incredibly valuable to this experience because we only had a short time to shoot so we had to kind of you know we just had to go in boots get and on them. with
2: it yeah exactly yeah. exactly as you said you've in for a penny in for a pound you've all got to be there you've all got to do it you had an incredible supporting cast and crew here and I just wanted to ask you um when when you guys were working together what were some of the favorite things that you did together in this movie because there are some fantastic ensemble scenes that are in slant without sort of spoiling it for folks just like what what were the what were the days that you were looking most forward to making this thing and 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 how did those other actors all complement? I know there's a great nightclub scene flashback that I think James calls the friends flashback, which I really loved. And there's some of your great family interactions together around Christmas that are just outstanding. But could you talk about like those scenes and playing off of one another? We worked really hard to ensure that everything was as fun as it could
4: be, because if we were having fun, then we knew the audience would be having fun. So I know it sounds a Cliche and like it's just a sound bite that I'm wheeling out, but really every day was just so much fun. There was no like, oh, I'm not looking forward to shooting that scene, or I you know, it was just like such a wild ride. Every scene was so fun, but obviously, particularly the final act of the movie, and we were very blessed to um film chronologically. But as the we go back to the Verity family home, and there's just a peak energy, like there was and there was energy on set, and any time that we got to play together. As a family, I love family dynamics. So I love playing with the whole cast. El Mandalas is amazing. P is amazing. Shannon Berry is amazing. Everyone's amazing. But I did particularly love any family scene because uh, it was just—I don't know—maybe I could relate more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Other thing, Michael, um, that occurs to me as you as you reminding me that we had this incredible privilege, very unusual, to sh- shoot more or less in sequence, not not every time but within shot sequentially and that really changed the dynamic and the experience positively because you know as you say you know sometimes you do look forward to you kind of when, when you're shooting out a sequence that you have in mind certain key scenes and it's not to say that there aren't key scenes key key sort of dividing lines key scenes that shoot off into to spin the movie out into another sphere and all that stuff but that said um because we shot sequentially it was like we were just sort of moving through time together. Yes. Uh, it wasn't quite the same as um, you know, I'm looking forward to Saturday because we're going to shoot that. It was like, well, Saturday on Saturday, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen on Saturday because we haven't <laughs> got there yet. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, which is more like life.
2: Yeah, we were. We were we really were living moment to moment. I was going to say it's so rare to hear about that, but it's in almost universally whenever you hear any actor or film talk about it. And I think in a low budget sense, sometimes it's even harder to shoot sequentially because you're trying to catch shots that everyone says that it's absolutely phenomenal and it just works a treat. Um, My friend, a dear friend of mine, Maria Lewis, she's a writer and a screenwriter as well. Um, uh, and a film critic. She came up with a phrase that I love for Australian noir, which she says, yeah, noir, that's what, it is yeah, Noir, right and i love it and i feel like slant is like yeah, Noir, like it's it's contemporary yeah, Noir. and so i just wonder you know slant when i when i approached it and first got, got um the opportunity to talk to you guys and introduce the film and things like that which is super fun and i was really privileged i had no concept that this was something that might bloom into other things and could you talk a little bit about michael like some ideas you guys have had about like Doing more, more Yenwa, which I'm always excited about.
4: Yeah. I mean, certainly in terms of the Slant universe, um, should we be so lucky and privileged, there is more story to tell. Slant is its own self contained story. If, you know, there's no reason it's not a cliffhanger ending. Um, But there is a natural progression. Well, before we even shot, James and I were having discussions. And I mean, I'd love to make a trilogy partly because the idea of a trilogy is a bit romantic but also because I just I see where the story could go um but in terms of yenoir, noir which by the way I'm now obsessed with um as a, <laughs> as a term uh I love uh mixed genre and I love the Australian sense of humor so even outside of slant I've you know I've written something else that maybe it's not quite Yen noir but uh th- that that whole world of comedy meets maybe more serious subject matter is just really delicious. And it's really fun to find that sweet spot, especially because it is a challenge, but then it really pays off. If you can find that right tonal balance, I mean, I think it pays dividends in spades.
0: It does, doesn't it because people don't live their lives in one I mean the, the mode of sort of existence changes from moment to moment of course and so there's no um you know staying in one genre is you know necessarily obviously limited and it's so much fun I think people if they really find um if they find themselves in a genre buster that um, is working for them they appreciate it all the more because it's much more like life. Yes. you know it we can't. it's much more close to um a true existence which is kind of all over the shop really isn't it yeah,
4: yeah that, totally right Like one minute you're laughing the next you're crying like yeah, it really I, is exactly
2: oh well a, said yeah an Australian sense of humor is precisely like being absolutely at your worst moment and then someone inappropriately joking you out of there and exploding into like Oh, there's just a little bit of relief. And I think that that's, you know, there's a real talent to that. So, um, I just want to say thank you and good luck. Um, it's been a real privilege, um, to get to know you a little bit and I'm excited for whatever you do next. I love slant as Yenwa shout that out. You can call it out Maria Lewis TM. Um, but Yenwa absolutely great. Michael, it's great um, to chat to you again. And Sigrid, as I told you before we were recording, but I'll say it on air. I've loved you since the moment I saw you in the man from snow river. My love is unabiding. Um, and you're just the best and you are an icon and Michael might get in trouble from you for him saying it, but you can't hit me through the zoom chat. So that's, um, that's just what's (laughs) going to happen. Never hit anyone. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't, but thank you so much. Good luck. It's so awesome that you guys are road showing this flick. Um, breaking down barbenheimer one cinema screen at a time um so um all the all the best on the roadshow. and yeah I, I i do we know what's next when people if they can't catch it on your roadshow or at the theater when are people going to be able to get it
4: uh, yeah, we actually. So we just got confirmation. Or can I say I'm looking over the corner? Yeah, Castle, uh, so we just screened in Castlemaine last weekend, and they're doing an encore this Sunday. So we're just kind of. It really is one of those things where we're just word of mouth. Snuggling. Great. Word of Great. mouth, and you know,
2: stay tuned. Should go on
0: the website because the website will have fully full reportage.
2: I will. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure I link it in the show notes of this episode, so you guys can check it out if it's coming to your area, if locally in Australia, but then more broadly if it um, picks up and runs anywhere else, uh, we'll uh, we'll it'll be all linked in there. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.
0: It's great to talk. Cheers.
4: Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. DLN's Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Plant is
2: about a a a, a budding journalist Mm. going to investigate an extremely high profile crime. And as we all know, because murder podcasts are the most popular thing in the world. Everyone Mm. has a theory. uh, The first theory, of course, the husband did it. And then there's a whole bunch of other things. And is she alive? Is she dead? Is she missing? All this sort of thing. And the thing I love about slant um, is personally for me, I didn't need to know because I actually as i the more I watched Slan, I was like, I don't need to know all the answers because I'm getting different i'm I'm answering different questions about characters and where they're going, but hearing the crowd, it was amazing to hear how the rabbit holes people had gone down. It felt like. That's a super contemporary thing that like would never have happened years ago that someone's like, okay, I'm piecing this together. I'm doing my investigation. I'm writing my mini murder podcast theory in my head and I'm ready to share it with the filmmakers of this movie.
3: That's such an interesting observation that you say it's a a contemporary phenomenon. I wouldn't have thought about it that way, but yeah, as you say, like with the, uh, you know, with, with murder mystery podcasts having been in the zeitgeist for 10 years you know, and people being kind of like more engaged than ever in terms of how they piece together their own kind of canon narratives. Everyone yes. obsessed with them, you know, in in various franchises. It makes a lot of sense, actually, why people are kind of you know ready to to be so outspoken. Yeah, and I'm like, does it matter?
2: And I think that what I shared with you know your fellow filmmakers, C- Secret and Michael, is that I think that this is a year noir, um, which is an Australian noir and what i love about noir films is that most often the actual investigation is not the thing like the investigation is not the answer and and if it is the answer sometimes it's a wholly dissatisfying answer and so i think what's really cool about slant is like i don't think that solving the mystery is the purpose of slant there's so much more that's there so but it's really cool to see when people go down the rabbit hole i'm so fascinated by it. like because i don't i don't need that myself as a as a viewer
1: yeah. I also actually had a few people say, you know, that they sort of um forgot that, that was that was even happening because they became <laughs> yes, sort of yes. happening in sort of the climax of the film that afterwards, like when we, you know, asked questions about what they thought, um, there was there were a few people that were like, oh, yeah. sort of <laughs> that <laughs> that just became, you know, fell by the side based on being so sort of engulfed in the story of what else was unfolding. Yeah. So that was interesting too.
2: So James, the other night when we were introducing the film in Sydney, you were talking about some of your influences and there's some really phenomenal, um, you know, particularly some shots in the film um, when Sigrid Thornton's character, who's the matriarch of the family, is doing a rehearsal. Vivian Verity is her name. She's doing a rehearsal for a play where you get Mm -hmm. your own little director's cameo in there as well. And, and. Um mm-hmm. i I what it peaked for me in that um q and a, and I won't sort of talk about the specifics of the scene as it relates to the movie to not as not to spoil anything, but I got the sense that you were very um you'd had like a your own palette, your own pastiche of like different influences that you wanted to bring to it. I think you were talking about Jarmouche at one point, so I'd just love to hear for a you know a new Aussie yeah noir like what were your influences going in because i i I started to see some of them after talking to you and i just wondered if you had a little playbook that you were thinking about these are the kinds of shots or moods that i want people to feel when they're when they're watching this
3: yeah uh the the playbook um was vast and 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 it sort of um it's, it's a big question to answer um, because, you know, you, you never want to be pigeonholed into any one thing. And, and we weren't exactly doing a Tarantino where it was a film full of, you know, Easter eggs for other films. But being that it was a film of uh, the late 90s, which, you know, places, you know, me at about, you know, seven years old, um, <laughs> I really wanted to look at a lot of the films that, that shaped um, my sensibilities as a storyteller um so films that maybe would not have maybe been so obvious um but were definitely influences would have been you know your your big staples you know like the matrix um like american beauty um we had you know uh, a lot of you know david lynch you know thrown around we also had shows you know like six feet under thrown around um you know, Amy, our cinematographer, also you know, big Lynch fan. We looked at um, we looked at Bound, one of the Wachowskis' older films, but we looked further afield as well. You know, we looked at theater makers um, like Robert Wilson. Uh, we looked at David Bowie when it came to dressing Derek. Um, <laughs> uh, You know, it was pretty, it was Michael has changed
2: his hair between cities. I don't know how many hair changes he's had, but like, I saw him and he's almost unrecognizable with a new hairdo. So what is this? Is is this the latest is Adelaide red? What was, was Melbourne something different? (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> he had straightened, curled, sort of, you know, he the curls dropped, then ponytails. So yeah, this is a first change of colour, but definitely a curated outfit for each location. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> he um he has he has very uh defined looks, um, and he's always keeping us on his tones. That's that's just Michael, you know. I mean, Michael um uh has had so much um of his own sensibilities, you know, imbued in, in the costuming and, and had um, you know he he'd hoarded so many amazing items uh, <laughs> <in the 90s. laughs> and this is a hobbyist like that's kind of the thing he would he, he does yeah um so then when it came to costuming slant, you know he he you know he dumped so much at our costume designer madeline McCarthy's feet um she had the genius to kind of give it a cohesion and and, and supplement and and stitch and 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 st- make stuff from hand to give it you know like her real vision but uh yeah I mean, you know, so much of that is is Michael in terms of how he looks both on and off screen. You know, This
2: is your first film, but I want to talk about you guys. Sort of, and and Monique, you have a, an amazing. You know, I spoke about James's cameo. You have an amazing cameo in the movie that people can look forward to. So get ex- get excited. Um, but <laughs> I want to ask you guys about just the cachet of amazing performers because obviously there's the iconic Sigrid Thornton, but like there's you know Ryan. Um, Ryan A. Murphy, who I hadn't been familiar with, I think is absolutely sensational. Ra Chapman, phenomenal. El Dallas is amazing. Um, Kate Listers, terrific as well. But then you've also got like Pierre Miranda. Like you had this amazing cast. So I just wanted you guys, if you could talk about the amazing cast, other than obviously the stars, um, the, because yeah, they're just really incredible.
1: Mm, they are. Um, well, I would start by talking about Ryan. Um, he he is he's a really phenomenal actor who we as well have worked with before in yeah, theater. In theater. Um, and he actually played a role opposite me in um, Lobby Hero by Kenneth Lonergan, which yeah. James directed. And I think that was the first time I saw him act in such a uh, I mean, if you if you're familiar with the role, he played Bill, who is this sort of older cop that has quite quite a nasty, controlling side to him. Um, and seeing him play that role and like the sort of colour that he gave it was um was really quite shocking and yeah. scary because yeah. he's such a lovely 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 person you i've you would never hear him scream or yell at anyone in, and in real funny. life he's
3: always joking and he's
1: always joking, yeah. always funny and just seeing him like play this you know the, this character had to go to some really extreme places um snapping and very very angry and seeing him do that with such um yeah such talent i like it, it was, a I just knew that I wanted to keep working with him for forever, really. And so, yeah, when James sort of, because he he was a cast, um, he was cast quite late in the process, right before we went into production um, to replace a, a, a cast member that had to pull out last minute. And yeah, when when James suggested him, it was like such a flip of what we saw. Billy, like the energy of what Billy, we we thought Billy would be, but then yeah, he's, he just, his skills, he, he just pulled it off so well. So I, I I just love watching him and love talking about
2: that. He's perfect. He's a perfect foil for Derek. Um, you know, Michael's character, who's more confident and brash and, and, and watching his character, they, and, and they just, there's something about TV siblings sometimes where they do the whole, like we mm-hmm. want them to kind of look alike. And there's something cool about real life siblings sometimes who just don't look anything alike and they have completely different energy. And you're like, Oh, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's, there's something real about that. I don't know. There's, yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's an accident, a happy accident. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I that's th- me and my
1: siblings. We, yeah. so I look nothing like my brother and sister at all. Yeah. So my, yeah.
2: But yeah, my sister is blonde hair and blue eyes. And um, so if you were standing next to, standing next to each other, people would be like, what? Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Then we talk and then it's like, oh yeah, they're related. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Um, so.
3: Oh yeah. I was going to say, I, I believe the rehearsal process really helps with that as well because you know, our philosophy with rehearsals is, you know, we're not just trying to rehearse the scenes, but we're trying to rehearse relationships, right? Mm. Who we are to each other. Mm. And that can take the form of, you know, games, verbal or nonverbal. We can rehearse maybe the ways in which, you know, brother and brother tend to rile each other up, the kinds of names they like to call them, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, when you then have like cigarette, you know, cigarette in the mix of those rehearsals, you know, having to be the mediator, the mother between the two, you um, suddenly you know they also develop an emotional shorthand. so it's not so much about like them having kind of fixated on how they say a certain line in X or y scene it's kind of like I know who you are to me and I also know how you know you know you two are to each other and, and where I fit in, you know with the three of you um so I think yeah, I think like really being able to have the time to rehearse those family dynamics, you know, just just um, paid dividends for when we sort of rocked up on set and i think yeah it gave michael and ryan you know such a great kind of yeah foil you know lead relationship as you say So
2: mm-hmm. a final question because you guys as producer and director are probably asked this more often um like before i give you your flowers and say congratulations on this sensational little roadshow that you're taking slant on throughout the country um could you give me a double feature that you'd pair slant with if you guys were if you guys were out on a roadshow and you wanted to plan a double feature where you guys were like, we're gonna watch this and then we're gonna watch slant. Monique, what's yours?
1: Oh, I don't I didn't know. James, do you have, have
3: one? Do you want to give her a yeah, moment? Yeah, do you want I, to yeah, jump got... in? <laughs> yeah, so I, I would double feature it with um uh, proof, you know, with um with Hugo Weaving. Yes. Uh, Sensational and- movie. Yeah, and I, and I think I think you know the, those two films they have you know interesting you know family brotherly relationships. Yeah, uh, they both have uh, reference shots of Hedgley Dean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think what's important about Slant, which I think Proof has as well, is that they leave space for the audience to dream. I think yeah. that's what's so important about. Yeah, as we've touched on this idea of you know the audience having being empowered to have theories because you know for example i i have my own theories of where the story goes as does michael as does Mon, um, monique but that's not necessarily canon you know yeah. it's actually really important that the mm. audience like has their kind of space for the movie to to be theirs um so i think yeah proof is a nice is a nice right. little like you know palette palette primer
2: well when eventually slant comes onto video on demand or premium video on demand or something you can you can do a double of proof and and slant in your house so that's great that's easier to access what
3: about you yeah i don't know i
1: don't know pick one
3: pick one
1: Look, I don't know. I think um, it, it's a good, like I, I, when we discussed it the other day, talking about like the castle, I think is something that would be funny to pair it with because it's similarly about, you know, a family, uh, the family dynamics and connection and yet, you know, still a very Australian story, but such like the opposite scale. So I feel like it would be quite a funny watch having those two together.
3: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That'd be a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be
2: like the family is everything. My family is home. My family is safe. And then Slant,
3: the opposite of that. It's not yeah. exactly a very safe yeah. place. It would
1: <laughs> like go from innocence to absolute, yeah.
3: Yeah, it would definitely make Slant slap harder <laughs> that as, a, as a feature, double feature concept. <laughs> Well,
2: guys, look, congratulations um, on the roadshow and taking it out to Australian audiences. Excited to see um, where it goes from here and what other theatres it gets picked up in and if it eventually goes on to physical media, which I hope it does, and um after talking to James a couple of times i'm sure that it probably will go to physical media um and uh, or on video on demand or to streamers or whatever the case may be um but congratulations it's been awesome to talk to you it was lovely to meet you guys in person and do the sydney q and a but i i just wanted to share that it's uh it's a great little great little year noir and uh, i'm
3: looking forward to whatever you guys do next thank you, thank you so much thank you for the courtesy our year noir we appreciate
1: it. <laughs> It's yeah, and lovely chatting with you. Yeah, Thanks so much. Yeah, great chatting with
3: you too, mate. <laughs> You're welcome.